Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. The title of this morning's service is The Rude Interruption. So, um, The Rude Interruption, and um, you'll see why in a couple of minutes. I have been, over the last couple of uh, months, been reading the Gospel of Mark, and I'm just so blessed by it. I can't get off the Gospel of Mark, and as I'm so enjoying it, and as I see Jesus doing miracles, and then he starts to gather and call his disciples, and he appoints the twelve, and then he sits them down, and he starts to teach these disciples in Mark chapter 4, and he starts to speak to them, and he tells them stories, parables, Parable is just a story, and uh, most probably saw uh, uh, someone in the field sowing some seed and says, oh, that's what the kingdom of God is like. So it was a really real thing for these people. And uh, he's teaching them about the sower and how the sower sows the word uh, in there. And he's teaching them about how we need to be light. Like a city on a hill, our light has to go out. And uh, so we need to go just like the, the astronauts. We need to go to new realms, like light goes into the dark areas. And, and you know, just, when light comes in, the darkness disappears, doesn't it? Uh, anyone switched on the light recently? The second you put on the light, the go- darkness goes. And that's what we are asked to de- do. And Jesus is saying to us, guys, I'm wanting you to go out into this dark world and bring my kingdom's light. Go where you've never been before. That's what Jesus is teaching them. And he's showing them the farmers sowing seed there. And he's explaining to them that if we look at our past all the times, we'll never do any actions now because we'll always see the lack and the need that we used to have. So we won't sow our seed. But a farmer is always future-minded. A farmer is never past-minded. A farmer looks at the crop that he would like to get. He thinks, what would I like? I would like apples, so then I need to sow apple seed. If I want corn, then I need to sow corn seed. Then he looks at the size of the harvest that he wants. If I want a small harvest, I need to plant a few seeds. If I want a large harvest, I need to plant a lot. And Jesus is showing these guys these principles that we need to be future-minded, we need to be like harvest, and it's our words. It's the word of God's seed that we are planting. Jesus is now going to take his disciples on a road trip, a field trip. And he's going to take them on their first missionary trip across the sea. And they're going to actually go and do this. They're going to go into a new area. But just before they go into this new area that doesn't know about Jesus, they've never heard about the kingdom, he stops and he says, I want to give you one last little bit of advice. These are the last words that Jesus gives before the mission trip. And I thought they were quite important. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. He said this, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, and you and I all know that when you put seed into the ground, it dies. That's what Jesus said. We saw that in a week or two ago. Night and day, whether the man sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. Just say those words there, all by itself. Say it, all by itself. Hey, that means you and I don't have any part to play. All I've got to do is put the seed in the ground and all by itself. Oh man, I love that as a pastor. I just have to speak the word of God and all by itself. I am not responsible to fix people because the word of God will do it all by itself. 
Wow, I'm set free by that. I think that's fantastic. First comes the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And now as the grain is ripe, he puts in the sickle to it because the harvest has come. We need to be farmers. Jesus is saying to them, I'm going over to the other side. Beware, guys, when we get to the other side, not all people, the different types of soil, not everyone is going to receive the kingdom. And it may look to you like your seed is dead. As Josh was saying to us earlier, and Jeff Reason has been saying to us, we are loving Poynton. We are loving one by one. We're moving forward. And maybe you were the guy who knocked on your neighbor's door and you said, I baked your cake. And they said, I don't want your cake. I'd like to invite you to church. I don't want to come to your church. I'm praying for you. And they said, please stop. Rain, a little real check here. Sometimes people don't want to hear the story you got. And Jesus is saying, hang on a minute, guys. Don't get discouraged. The five, five, five prayers that you've been praying is seed in the ground. i got news for you. When you put seed in the ground, it makes it happen all by itself. It's got nothing to do with your cake. The only person who might have some influence with her cake is our lemon, lemon drizzle expert. When she breaks the lemon drizzle cake, I would get saved. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's all by itself. You're praying for your family, you're praying for your friends, and you feel there's no way forward. Hey, it's not up to you and me, it's up to him. I just got to put the seed in the ground, and he makes it happen. Somebody should shout, Amen there. The Apostle Paul says this, and he's speaking to the church at Corinth. Along these same principles, he says this, I, Paul, I planted the seeds in your heart, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who plants or who does the watering. What is important is that God makes the seed grow. Hey, listen, guys, we might be praying for five, 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 and you might be sowing that seed, but it might be someone else down the road who's going to reap that harvest. It doesn't matter. The kingdom of God is growing. Maybe someone down the road is going to plant the seed and you're the one who's going to reap the harvest. It doesn't matter. We're all part of the same kingdom. Somebody should be getting excited about now. The rejection that you have been facing is still part of that seed that's in the ground. Seed does not go into the ground except that it's going to produce a harvest. The seed doesn't have a choice. It's God who makes it. Oh man, I like that. Jesus is going to cross over with his disciples now. He says, come boys, let's get in the boat. And he crosses over the sea there at Galilee. Now they're sitting on the shores of Capernaum. They get in the boat and they head across the sea. And in the middle of the sea, Jesus decides he's a bit tired. He takes a nap and there's a raging storm. What is happening in that storm? The devil is trying to stop this mission trip that's going about. Josh, as we get launching this love festival that's coming up, wouldn't be surprised to see the devil try to get it stopped. He does not want to see people hear about Jesus. But what does Jesus do? He just says, speaks to the unseen and says, be still, be quiet, be muzzled. Hang on, Jesus had just taught them that. The seed has to go into the invisible realm, the ground, before it produces a harvest. Here, Jesus is speaking to the invisible realm, the wind, and it produced 
calmness. Jesus is practicing what he taught them. So they go across to the other side. And when they get to the other side of the, the sea, they land on the shores there, the Gadareans. And you're not going to believe it. A mad, demonic guy, full of demons, comes running up to Jesus. And he bows down and, and Jesus immediately takes authority over the situation and he speaks. And I love the Matthew's translation says, Jesus said a word, go. And they left. These demons, they leave this man and they go into some pigs. Now listen, even a pig is clever enough to know no demons inside. So the pigs run off, jump off the cliff and die in the sea. They ain't having no demons inside of me. Oh, I wish some more Christians would become like pigs. <laughs> stop tolerating the devil in your lives. Now, I'm not advocating jump off the cliff. I'm saying you speak to it and say, go in the name of Jesus. So, Jesus is there. This man gets delivered. And you're not going to believe it. The community, the local community, interrupt Jesus' ministry. A rude interruption. The, the local community come to Jesus and say, please, would you go? Leave us and our pig farms alone. This is our land. We want to do things this way. And they ask Jesus to leave. It looks like this is a failed mission trip. Only one guy, one, gets saved. Only one person got delivered in a whole mission trip. Why are we so obsessed with numbers? I've got to count. I've got to count. 50, 100. Oh, wow, that was a good one. Seems Jesus wasn't so worried about numbers as much as we are. Just one person on the entire mission trip got saved. Rude interruption. Some people are not going to like what we have to bring. You know that the Bible says that to be friends with the world is to be in enmity with God. You see, sometimes we are so obsessed of being befriended with the community. They must love us. They must adore to us. We, we've got to be all huggy, lovey chappies together. That's the only way. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus brought a whole lot of offense. His mission was to bring the good news of Jesus, not to make friends. Now, we do make friends. Yes, we do that. But we've got to be careful we don't cross a line. Our job is to bring the good news of Jesus, not just to make friends. We have to speak the truth. That's what Jesus was telling us. Not every soil is going to receive the good news of Jesus. This man, oh Jesus, I've been set free. Can I join your club? I want to come on the boat with you and the disciples. Let's make it 13. A baker's dozen. Come on, let's do that. And Jesus says, no. I want you to stay here. What's he saying? I want you, because you're, not, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. There's something for you to do. Have a look at what Jesus said to the man. Jesus refused to permit him to join him. And said, I want you to go home to your family, your relatives, and your friends. And bring back word to them how much the Lord has done for you. And how much sympathy he has and mercy he's had on you. 
He said to you, stay there. Work your family and your friends. He's saying, love point in where you are. Do the five, five, five. Love your neighbor. Love your friend. Love the guy next door. He's not asking you to go stand in the middle of the town on a soapbox and dun da 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 He's asking you to do something practical. Love the person next to you. That sounds like based in relationship to me. Whoever you meet, whoever is in your group there, speak the word to them. That's what Jesus' instructions were. And you know what this guy does? He goes around and he does exactly that. He goes around and he starts to tell everyone what Jesus has done. Look at the next verse with me. This is going to blow you away when you see this. And he departed, the man did, and publicly proclaimed in the Decapolis. Now that is the region of ten cities that I've highlighted in yellow. And he declared to them how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were astonished and they marveled. He went to all these cities. Now one of those cities, one of those cities right at the top in the north, in a, in a country called Syria, was a town called Damascus. A couple of years later, after this event, we read the story in Acts chapter 9, where Saul, before he became Paul, he got a letter to go from uh, Jerusalem to Damascus to arrest all the Christians. Where did these Christians come from? Because one man who was set free took his time and went to Damascus and he told his story and he told them about Jesus. I would like to submit to you, it was not a failed mission trip. One generated hundreds and thousands of people who gave their hearts to Jesus. Oh, would the man just tell his story? Jesus is asking you, he's asking me, go and tell your story. Stop trying to give them theology. Stop telling them about the rapture. Stop telling them about all the deep stuff. Just tell them your story. What has Jesus done for you? That's what this whole love pointing is all about. Jeff was telling us, befriend your neighbor, knock on their door, take them for coffee. Why? So that you can just tell your story. You see, when I give you theology, you can argue. Maybe you've studied more than I have. You don't want to go down that road. What you want to do, guys, is you just want to tell your story because no one can argue with your story. Because if Jesus did it for you, he's done it. It can't be right or wrong. He did it for you. It is what it is. Just tell your story. When you tell your story, you leave the rest to Jesus. And He makes that seed grow. It's not your problem. All your responsibility is tell your story. Well, Jesus, now after this trip, He does what the community wants. He gets in the boat. He heads back off towards Nazareth, actually, near his hometown. Now, in the story here in Mark, chapter 1, we read how Jesus is baptized, and we read how he kicks out evil spirits, and he even heals his mother-in-law. Strange miracle, but he does. Uh, he heals many others. Uh, he cleanses a leper. In chapter 2, he forgives a man his sins and heals this paralytic man. And there's more people, and he even does it on the Sabbath. This is all in chapter 2 and chapter 1. The story up till now is all about Jesus. In chapter 3, what's he do? He goes and gets his 12 disciples together, and he heals a couple more people. The story is all about Jesus and what Jesus is doing. 
In chapter 4, he starts to teach the disciples and tell them these parables and about the light going to new galaxies and he's telling them all these great stories. It's all about Jesus and what Jesus was teaching. In chapter 5, he casts out a demon. It's all about Jesus. In chapter 6, he's going to go and feed the 5,000 and he's going to actually go and he's going to go there and he's going to go and walk on water. But right in the middle of chapter 5 and chapter 6, the last couple of verses of chapter 5, these are rude interruption. Another story that's not about Jesus. Somebody dares to interrupt the almighty story of Jesus. I would like to read you the story. Mark chapter 5, the tail end of Mark chapter 5. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, came and worshipped at Jesus' feet, begging him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and put your hands on her, that she may be healed and she will live. Stop right there. Did Jairus just tell Jesus what to do? Hey, Jesus, you come to my house, lay your hands on, and she will be healed. Do you hear me? He was starting to speak to the invisible realm, declaring what the outcome in the physical should be. I'll just leave that with you. Great multitude followed with Jesus. Now, strange enough, there's a couple of verses here I'm going to have to come back to because they've got nothing to do with our story. So I'll just miss them and I'll carry on down the bottom. And while he was still speaking, Jairus was in Jesus. Someone came from Jairus' house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher anymore? As soon as Jesus heard these words, Jesus said, Stop fear, only believe. You see, the fear is going to stop you from getting your miracle right there on the spot. The physical says she's dead. And Jesus says, Don't fear. Anyhow, let's read on. So Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, came into the house, and there these guys were wailing and making a scene. And he says, why are you making this commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, only sleeping. Oh, come on, Jesus. What on earth are you doing? Jesus, are you not paying attention? The girl is dead. Jesus starts to declare to the invisible realm, she's only sleeping. What is about to happen is that the physical is going to match up with the invisible. Because she speaks into the invisible so that we can get the physical. <laughs> He says to the little girl, I say to you, arise. And she gets up. She was 12 years old. I'm going to do something now that's not normally done on online TV. Has someone got a tissue for my nose? Thank you. That's right. That's why we have this box over here, don't we? Jesus speaks to the invisible to declare something in the physical. Jesus stops fear and says, only believe. I would like to submit to you. When you tolerate fear, it contaminates your faith. It paralyzes you. This story is all about fear. And Jesus stops it in its tracks. We often have things manifesting in the physical. The problems are in the physical, it's in the spiritual. It's in the unseen realm. 
don't tolerate fear. All fear is of Satan. I am invincible unless God says I'm not. And until he says it's time to go, I'm not going anywhere. COVID's not going to take me out just because COVID wants to take me out. Jesus has the last word. I don't have to say amen, I don't care. It's true. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus wouldn't have said to the man, stop fear, if it was not possible to stop the fear. Did you think about that? How could he say that? Stop fear. <laughs> I can't stop fear, my daughter's dead. I've got a verse to show you that's going to rock your boat. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and verse 15, puts it this way. Since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in the humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Who holds the power of death? The devil. And free all those who through their lives were held in slavery or bondage by their fear of death. Do you know what he's saying, the writer to the Hebrews? You are hooked to the very thing that you fear. If you start to fear something, it, you, you actually, it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It kind of like drags you along. It's like you're hooking onto them like a trailer behind a car. When you start to fear something, it starts to get a hold of you. You, you all know the story of Job, don't you? Oh, how Christians love to sh read this passage and tell, try and tell us that Christians are, ought to be sick or can be sick and all this. But they haven't really read Job properly. Let me show you something you've never seen before. Job chapter 1. Job here is actually doing a spiritual thing out of fear. It says this. When Job's family, his sons and his daughters, used to go and party, party, Job used to get up after the feast and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning, it says in Job 1 verse 5. And he'd offer burnt sacrifices. And he said, this, this word, these are the words that Job said. He said, for it may have been that my sons sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. It didn't say his kids had sinned. Job said, maybe they sinned, so I'm going to sacrifice just in case they did sin, because I'm locked into fear. He was doing a good thing with bad motives. I'm not saying you can't pray for your family, but if you're only praying for your family because you're terrified of fear, then your motives are wrong. And read what's happening in chapter 3, Job's own words, and he says, for the thing that I feared, in fact, he says, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. And what I dreaded has happened to me. I'm not at ease. I'm not at quiet. I'm not at rest. For trouble has come to me. When you open the door to fear, you're saying, come on, hit me. Don't tolerate fear in your lives. God did not send the problems to Job. If you go back from chapter 3 to chapter 2, verse 7. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job. It was not God, it was Satan. When we open the door with fear in our lives, then the devil has a foothold. Didn't we talk about that a couple of weeks ago? Don't open the door to the devil at all. Close it shut. Don't allow fear in your heart.
What does the Bible tell us to do? The Bible says, set your mind on these things, on things above, not on things below. You see, fear happens in the realm of the mind. When we start to think about things, when you start to read certain information, the more we read on it, the greater the fear works. You start to get a pain right over there. And you start to research and say, ah, my appendix is about to burst. It can't be because mine was removed 20 years ago. So it can't be. But you still think it. And you Google it. And they say, better dial 111119. Right now, you're about to die. This is critical. You have 30 seconds to get there or you're dead. You're motivated by fear because you're allowing the nonsense to get into your head. Instead of setting your eyes on things above, Jesus on the cross saying, By my stripes, you are healed. Tell us, go in the name of Jesus. I'm not tolerating that in my body. We're so proud, aren't we, when we get a positive COVID test? Promised myself I wasn't going to say that. Oh, we put it on social media. Look, I'm positive. Did you think of praying? Go in the name of Jesus. I'll move on. I'll move on. Set your minds on the invisible realm, not on the physical realm. What we set in our minds goes into our hearts. And when it goes into our hearts, faith rises and changes the physical. Wayne, are you suggesting that God is even in charge of COVID again? Yes, I am. Somebody say amen, please. Well, I need to go back to my story. Here's Jairus. God has just told, Jesus has just told him, stop fear. And uh, we heard that. But what about those little verses that are missed in the middle? You're not going to believe this if I tell you. Right in the middle of Jairus' interruption, some little old lady comes and she interrupts the interruption. We have a double interruption. Never happened in scripture before. First time. Well, actually, I do know some people like to interrupt a lot. But anyhow, anyhow, I'll leave that one alone. She comes in. She's got a health issue for 12 years. And she interrupts Jesus' story. Jairus' story, rather. And she comes in. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. And suffered many things by many physicians. She had spent all she had. And was no better, but rather grew worse. Listen to these words. For when she heard somebody's story about what Jesus had done. She heard a story about what Jesus had done. When she heard, she, she went to Jesus. She pushed through the crowd, it says. Verse 28. And she said, if I touch his clothes, I shall be mad. Well, yeah. Here she's doing it again, telling Jesus what's going to happen. That's presumptuous. That's faith stuff. How dare you tell God what's going to happen? She says, I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. And when I touch, power is going to flow through. I'm going to be healed. She's starting to speak to the invisible realm to declare what's going to happen in the physical realm. Immediately, it says. Immediately. Knowing in herself that power, um, immediately the fountain of her blood dried up. And she knew she was healed of the affliction. Jesus, immediately knowing that power had gone out of him, turned in the midst of a crowd and said, who touched me? See, right now, you might be thinking that Jesus is trying to touch the masses. He's busy working in the Ukraine. He's busy working in Brazil. He's busy working down the road. But what about me? I've been left out of this. I want to tell you, if you come to Jesus and you touch him and you hold on to him, he's going to stop and say, 
you've interrupted my story, but what do you want? Yes, there's a ministry. Yes, there's a story flow. But I'm telling you what, you can interrupt it when you get a hold of Jesus and say, I'm not letting go until I get what I need. I want healing in my marriage. I want healing in my body. I want my relationships restored. I need my finances restored. Jesus, I need something. I'm not letting go until I touch you. Will you hold on? Will you grab? This girl had got involved with a little bit of self-talk. She had said, I'm going to do this. How many of you have engaged with self-talk? Look at the TV. Look at them talking. I'm preaching and you're talking while I'm preaching. That's an interruption. How many of us do some self-talk in the mirror? A lot of I'd like to submit we do a lot. How many of you you moaning and groaning? <laughs> it's so hard. I had a bad week. I'm not feeling well. Moan, moan, moan. Or you're telling a sob story. You know when Never mind, I won't say it. <laughs> oh, you're twisting my arm. You're twisting my arm. When I say, hello, how are you? I'm not asking you for the latest moan session. That's an opportunity to make a positive confession. Some of us are full of gossip just saying what somebody else said. Or we just repeat what's on BBC News. Where's the intelligence with that? That's just stating the obvious and the facts. Do you know what she did? She started to say what she wanted. Instead of moaning, you give a praise report. Instead of a sob story, give your testimony. Instead of a gossip, why don't you tell a God story? Instead of just the local news, why don't you prophesy? Start speaking to the invisible realm to declare and change the physical realm. If God's people would stop saying what they have and start saying what he said, then they would have what he said. And they can have what they say, according to Mark eleven twenty three. God is asking us to go and tell our story. He's asking us to tell the invisible about what is possible. I'm going to say that again. He's asking us to tell the invisible realm what is possible and allow faith to rise in our hearts. She touched. Jesus gets in another boat. Oh, he loves his boats. I tell you, whenever I read, he's always in a boat. He even preaches from a boat. He gets in a boat and he heads off and he sends them off to Bethsaida. And after he does what he's going to do in Bethsaida, he gets in another boat and he heads back. And this time now he's heading to the Gannaret region. And I want you to just listen to these words that happened to Jesus. Now this is just a little bit north of where this lady lived in Nazareth. A little bit north of that area. And when they came in and they anchored there, immediately the people recognized him. Now this is chapter 6, verse 54. They ran they ran around the region and began to carry on beds all those who were sick. Wherever he was, they laid them. 
And when he entered into a village or a city or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces. And they begged him, listen to this, they begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many touched the hem, they had been made well. Wherever do you read in the Bible you're allowed to touch Jesus' garment and get well? It is not written anywhere in the Bible where you touch Jesus' garments and you get well. I would like to submit to you, it's all because of a little lady who got healed, who went and told her story. And she told her story and they heard her story and they said, hey, if God can do it for you, he can do it for me. So bringing Jesus here, I'm going to touch him and I'm going to get healed. Would you tell your story? Would you tell your story? Online church, tell your story. Who's it this week you're going to go and talk to? Who are you going to have a coffee with? And just tell your story. Stop trying to preach at them. Just tell them a story of what God has done for you. I'm finished this morning. Before, before I go, I want to leave you with a challenge. Will you speak to the invisible and tell the invisible realm what is possible? You guys in the room, will you do that too? Begin to speak to the invisible and tell them what is possible and watch Jesus do the work. Remember, you don't have to do it. He does it. You're the believer. He's the performer. Tell your story.